0: Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Where we are discussing all episodes of The Golden Girls today. We are on Season 2, Episode 7, Family Affair. This episode originally aired on November 22nd of 1986. So what other interesting historical events occurred on November the 22nd? Well, in 1497, Portuguese navigator Vasco da Gama rounds the Cape of Good Hope on way to the first voyage from Europe to reach India. In 1910, Arthur Knight patents steel-shafted golf clubs. In 1930, Elijah Muhammad forms the Nation of Islam in Detroit. In 1943, France officially recognizes the independence of Lebanon, releasing the imprisoned Lebanese government. In 1963, U.S. President John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas. In 1969, the isolation of a single human gene is announced by scientists at Harvard University. In 1972 the Pittsburgh Penguins set the NHL record for fastest time to score five goals when they do so in two minutes and seven seconds. Was the other team on the ice? I don't know. Uh, In 1975, Juan Carlos I is proclaimed the King of Spain after their monarchy is restored after 31 years of non-monarchy rule in Spain in 1986, Wayne Gretzky becomes the 13th NHL player to score 500 career goals. In 1987, two Chicago television stations are hijacked by an, by an unknown pirate dressed as Max Headroom. At our most recent event, on November 22nd of 2018, the Leaning Tower of Pisa's Tilt is reduced by 4 centimeters. In a 20 year project to stabilize the building to prevent it from collapsing. 20 years? Yes. So to be finished by 2038, they will oh, gradually okay. reduce the tilt of the Leaning Tower of Pisa over 20 years to okay. keep it from collapsing. It just started then? Yes.
1: I thought that was the culmination in 20 I, years and
0: four centimeters? Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four no. <laughs> uh, That was the start of that project, I do believe. Okay. So, that's our history lesson for today. So what occurred in this inspiring edition of The Golden Girls? Okay. Well, we start this episode with Sophia.
1: She's sneaking through the living room, kind of, and she stops at the table there in front of the couch, which has all kinds of food covering the top of it. Ah, she takes some cheese and some other items and Dorothy comes in from the kitchen and asks her, what is she doing? Sophia says she calls it eating. Dorothy says that Rose made all that stuff for her daughter and, and no one can eat it until she comes. Sophia says there is enough food there to feed her entire village in Sicily. Blanche enters the scene through the front door, bent over something terrible She asked for Dorothy to help her as her back gave out again. Blanche threw it out in aerobics class. She noticed this gorgeous man checking her out. So during the buttocks lifts, he motioned for Blanche's phone number. Yes, Blanche didn't want to appear to be easy, so she rolled over onto her back and flung her legs over her head. Now, that's not a sign of being easy, okay. The doorbell rings and Dorothy answers it. It is Michael, who is Dorothy's son. It is a surprise. Apparently, they were not expecting him. Dorothy wonders why he hasn't written. Sophia says he is a big-time musician in New York and he doesn't have time to write. Uh, Dorothy introduces him to Blanche. Blanche doesn't stand up and Michael says she doesn't have to explain what happened because Dorothy has already told him all about her. Yes, apparently Michael's gig at the jazz club ended early so he decided to come by and visit. Sophia says he is the only white boy from Brooklyn that could scat. All right, Dorothy thought the job was to last until the end of the summer. And Michael says he had artistic differences with the club owner. The club owner wanted everyone in the band to wear a tie and Michael refused. Ah, uh, Dorothy says he is the Norma Ray of the music business. Through the front door comes Rose and her daughter, Bridget. Introductions all around. Blanche offers to give her bedroom to Michael and she will just camp out on the couch. Rose introduces Michael and Bridget. She tells tells us that Bridget is going to study at Oxford in England. Bridget has found a terrific flat on campus Michael says that is great as he hears the commute from here. Yes, in Miami is a killer. Uh, Michael says he is attending the School of Life. And Bridget isn't too impressed as she says a lot of people go there when they can't get accepted anywhere else. So Dorothy tells Bridget that she must be hungry, so to sit down on the couch and feast away. Then she wonders Uh, Rose wonders, where are the wooden shoes she carved out of cheese? And Dorothy says that Sophia spread them on the tiny windmill that Rose built out of Triscuits. What a lady can do that. Now we're in the kitchen. We have Sophia, Dorothy, and Michael eating breakfast as they are sitting around the dining room table there. You know, and right here, I don't know, but I noticed that this table is extremely small with their three plates of breakfast and each person appears to have a coffee cup and some other glasses and cups on the table. There just isn't much room for a plate of pancakes in the middle of the table. Anyway, Michael and Sophia say it, it is a great breakfast. Sophia says that when they are alone, Dorothy normally feeds her lumpy oatmeal and black bananas. That's a good meal. Dorothy gets up to clear the table and Blanche enters through the swinging door, still hunched over quite a bit. They ask her how her back is. We learn that Blanche has been to the doctor already this morning. Um, Okay. Uh, She says that she is the most spectacular specimen of the female anatomy that the doctor has seen since Julie Newmar. He said she has a back problem, that she should have no physical activity for a week, and she has to wear a corset and lie back with her legs elevated. Sophia says that is the same thing she did last Saturday. Oh boy, Blanche doesn't think she can go a whole week without physical activity. She has serious needs. She is at her sexual peak. More small talk, mostly about Dorothy treating Michael like a child. Then she gives him $10 and tells him to take Sophia to see The Journey of Natty Gann at the movie theater. Sophia and Michael get up to exit, and Sophia says they'll skip the movie, they'll double their money at the track, and have a nice lunch in the park and goof on bums, whatever that means. They exit. Blanche and Dorothy stay in the kitchen area and discuss Michael. Dorothy thinks he's a little bit flighty. And Rose comes in, she doesn't want breakfast right now. Bridget has already driven her to the country and they had a nice picnic. They took a walk and picked wildflowers. They rolled up their pant legs and waded in the creek. And Dorothy says, then Julie Andrews showed up and y'all fed deer and sand. And sand? Y'all fed deer and sand. Oh, sang, sorry. If I had a hammer. My spelling wasn't too good there. If I had a hammer, Rose is flummoxed. All three talk for uh, a while, mostly about Michael and finding a job, etc. Blanche then suggests that she thinks Bridget could be a positive influence on Michael, even going so far to suggest they go on a date. Rose says that she stays, that she stays out of her kid's social life. It is like that old saying, you can lead a herring to water, but you have to walk really fast or he'll die. Blanche gets up to leave and gets in one dig on the others as she is leaving. I just thought the kids would have much more fun together than hanging around here with me and three old ladies. Uh, Rose then gets up and says that Bridget is taking her to the House of Fabrics for the felt cell. Yes, she has visited the world of wool before and apparently passed out there. Okay, now we're back in the living room. Sophia and Dorothy, they're playing some card game. We don't know which card game. And Blanche enters saying she feels old and she can't do the things she used to do. Sophia replies that rubber woman couldn't do the things Blanche used to do. They talk about getting older. Sophia says that for 50 years she had the body of Chita Rivera. Then one day she woke up and her butt was like a bulldog's neck. Yes, we learned that Michael and Bridget went out. Blanche had some free tickets to the symphony and Blanche gave the tickets to them. She thought being set up on a date would be fun for them. Sophia says that in Sicily everything is set up. Dates, marriage, death, especially death. Next, we are in the kitchen with Blanche reading at the table. Rose enters with a bag of groceries. Blanche is tired of being on her back. Yes, Dorothy enters and asks if the kids are back from their date. Rose says, "Our kids?" And Dorothy replies, "No, the cats and jam are kids. Talk about them not interfering. Yeah, yeah. Blanche tells them not to worry. She heard the kids come back in hours ago. Yes, Rose says she will say goodnight to Bridget. Rose is leaving and Blanche asks her to bring back her heating pad. Okay, Blanche says it has been four days since she has been in the company of a man. And Dorothy responds that she has been marking the days off her big ships of the Navy calendar. And Blanche says her body feels like a Corvette on blocks with its engine racing. More talk. And then we hear Rose scream, oh my God. Dorothy and Blanche get up to leave the kitchen area and they leave in a hurry. Next scene is Blanche's bedroom. We see Michael and Bridget in bed together and the scene ends as we see disappointed faces on Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche. And here's a quick note here. Um, This is Blanche's bedroom, but when we are looking at the three girls, we see a door on the opposite side of Blanche's bedroom door. And from Blanche's bedroom door down the, that hallway, we should really see a long hallway, not a door. Anyway, the next scene continues in the bedroom. We get some bedroom talk. Sophia comes in and more talk. Sophia may not remember what it feels like, but she sure remembers what it looks like. Yes, and that's it from Sophia, she leaves. There's more commotion about these two adults having a sexual encounter. Rose is in shock. She has never seen Bridget in bed with a man before. Well, except for raggedy Andy. And Rose and Dorothy leave. We also see a, a door to the right of Blanche's bedroom, which really should be uh, Blanche's bedroom past that door. But anyway, in the living room with Blanche, Dorothy and Rose, Rose just can't believe it. Dorothy can't believe that Alan Thick has a hit TV series Yes, Rose and Dorothy discuss who seduced who. They discuss this relationship. She is too good for Michael. As Rose points out, he doesn't even have a job. Blanche says neither does Henry Kissinger, but he's still highly regarded. Yeah, they discuss it some more, and Dorothy says that Rose's daughter moves faster than Marcus Allen. Rose doesn't even know who Marcus Allen is. More discussion. Dorothy calls Bridget a tramp. Ah, uh, Rose is livid now. She does not know if she can ever speak to Dorothy again. And Rose leaves down the bedroom hallway. Uh, the next morning Dorothy enters, yes, Dorothy enters the kitchen and Blanche says, good morning, and Dorothy is not talking to Blanche. Blanche thinks Dorothy is still upset with her. Wow, what a revelation there. But Dorothy responds that she is upset because Crockett and Tubbs are wearing darker colors this season. Sophia enters the kitchen area dressed in black with a veil. veil. She is in mourning for Michael. After last night, he doesn't exist. Yes, Rose enters. Lots of tension in the kitchen. Blanche explains she sent the kids to the symphony to hear Henry, Henry Mancini's tribute to the Pink Panther. Blanche continues to be the only one talking. She took some classes at Miss MacGyver's finishing school back in her 20s and one night, Bobby Joe Springer escorted her back to her dorm after the fine manners after the fine manners ball boy when an instant goodnight kiss developed into an evening of passion at three a m The door flung open, and there was Miss MacGyver making one of those bed checks she was famous for. Blanche waved politely over Bobby Joe's shoulder with her foot. Yes, that caused some wild looks from Dorothy and Rose. Miss MacGyver was unmoved. Next day, she kicked Blanche out of the school. And Blanche, well, she continues giving advice. Sophia finally says, who are you, Mr. Spock? And Rose says she thinks that Sophia means Dr. Spock. Uh, They make up, but Sophia doesn't forgive or forget. She is prone to growing moles. She is Italian after all. The next scene begins on the lanai as Michael is playing the saxophone. Dorothy comes out and wants to talk about last night, so they talk about last night, and they make up. Sophia comes out on the lanai still in morning clothes. Yes, Michael and Sophia also make up. Next scene, now we're in the kitchen. Rose is at the island table. Bridget comes through the swinging door and says she is packed and all ready to go. Rose will have her lunch done soon. They talk. Rose wanted Bridget's first time to be so special. And Bridget says it was four years ago. They talk and make up. Bridget is leaving and tells Dorothy and Sophia thanks for having her as she walks through the living room. Michael is also leaving as he just got a gig in New Orleans and he doesn't have to wear a tie. So they're gonna share a taxi to the airport. So Michael and Bridget leave. Blanche enters the living room from the bedroom hallway and wants to know how she looks. Blanche is going stir-crazy and has a date. Dorothy and Rose wants her to take it easy, and Blanche replies she will. After all, who knows her body better than she does? So Sophia replies, any man in Miami not attached to a woman or a respirator. And that is how this episode ends.
0: Well, there's only a few cultural references brought up. So, hmm, now, the first, uh, they bring up scatting, which of course can refer to two things. Uh, one that I am sure is not what they mean, uh, which is uh, sexual play involving fecal matter. I am sure that is not what they mean. Well, I'm pretty sure Sophia does not mean that. I would assume <laughs> not. Um, The one I assume they mean is scat singing, which is a jazz vocal technique where you essentially sing nonsensical words and notes over and over in uh, interesting improvised melodies typically uh, to use the voice as another instrument to add to the sound rather than as a lyrical medium. Uh, REM also did this a lot. On, on their first couple records where Michael Stipe would kind of just be making a sound that doesn't really, that there's no real words. He's just making noises to use the voice as a, another instrument. Uh, that's what scat singing is. Yes, okay. Um, Norma Ray, uh, which is a, book, a movie, um, is based on the true story of Crystal Lee Sutton. Uh, who becomes involved in labor union activities at a textile factory in North Carolina. Um, It premiered at the 30 Second Cans Festival where it competed for the Palme d'Or. And Sally Field, who played the title role, uh, won the pre-deinterpretation feminine, or uh, basically the best actress, uh, version uh, at Cannes. Uh, it received four Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and one, two, Best Lead Actress and Best Original Song uh, as well. Uh, so that's Norma Ray, uh, Trisket, which is a brand of crackers uh, that were first invented in 1900 and were patented in 1902. And then the Shredded Wheat Company in Niagara Falls, New York, began production in 1903. And early on there, the advertisers boasted that these wafers were baked by electricity. That was their big selling point in 1903. Okay. Um, Julie Newmar, uh, who's an actress, dancer, and singer, known for a variety of stage, screen, and television roles, as well as a writer, lingerie inventor, and a real estate mogul. Uh, She won the Tony for Best Featured Actress in a Play, For her role as Katrin Sveg in the 1958 Broadway production of The Marriage Go Round. She reprised that role in the 1961 film version. In the 60s, she starred for two seasons as Catwoman on the Adam West-led Batman series. Uh, Her other stage credits include the Ziegfeld Follies in 1956, playing Lola in Damn Yankees in 1961, and Irma in Irma Le Douce in 1965. She also appeared in the music video for George Michael's 1992 single, Too Funky, and had a cameo as herself in the 1995 film, "Too Wong Fu, uh, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Her voice work includes the animated feature films Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders in 2016, and Batman vs. Two-Face in 2017, where she reprised her role as Catwoman 50 years after her original appearance. That is Julie Newmar. Um, the Journey of Natty Gann uh, <laughs> yeah. is a 1985 uh, Disney production um, okay. starring John Cusack, uh, in, set in 1935 in which a 15-year-old tomboy lives with her unemployed widow father. Uh, and I, I don't really know. Um, she befriends a dog, uh, rescues it from a dog-fighting ring, and then they go on a railroad trip across the country. Um, that's pretty much that. Uh uh so okay. Yeah, that's uh the journey of Natty Gam Whew. Uh Julie Andrews, a uh English actress, singer and author, uh, appeared in the West End in 48 making her Broadway debut in The Boyfriend in 1954. Uh she rose to prominence starring in Broadway musicals such as My Fair Lady and Camelot. In 57, she starred in the premiere of Rodgers and Hammerstein's written for TV musical Cinderella. She made her film debut in Mary Poppins, winning an Oscar for Best Lead Actress for her performance in that role. Really? Wow, okay. Uh, she also won a Golden Globe for uh, her performance in The Sound of Music. Uh, she also has been in many other Films winning an Oscar, a BAFTA, five Golden Globes, three Grammys, two Emmys, uh, the SAG Lifetime Achievement Award, Kennedy Center Honors, and a Disney Legends Award. So if she can get uh, to a Tony, she'll complete the uh, Grand Slam Award there. Uh, Do-do-do... If I Had a Hammer, uh, of course, is a Pete Seeger song, uh, written in 1949 in support of the progressive movement, first recorded by the Weavers, a folk music quartet uh, composed of Seeger, uh, Lee Hayes, Ronnie Gilbert, and Fred Hellerman. It was later a top-ten hit for Peter, Paul, and Mary in 1962, and then a number-three hit a year later, in 1963 when recorded by Trini Lopez. Uh, So, that is uh, If I Had a Hammer. Any other notable covers of it? Not really that I see. Um, So, I guess that is it there. Uh, let's see, the House of Fabrics, I did find it is a place. Okay. Um, House of Fabrics Incorporated, which is, uh, currently, uh, headquartered in Sherman Oaks, California, uh, was incorporated in 1946, currently employs around 5,000 people. And our most recent sales figures, for some reason, is from 1997, in which they uh, sold 255 million US dollars worth of product. Huh. Uh, House of Fabrics is one of the largest home sewing and craft retailers in the United States. Uh, they buy finished goods directly from mills, sell them in retail outlets throughout the US. Stores west of the Rocky Mountains generally operate under the names House of Fabrics, Fabric Land, or Fabric. King. Uh, so that is uh, House of Fabrics, apparently still around as far as I can tell. Or huh. uh, well, in '94 they filed for bankruptcy. Uh, let's see here. I gotta scroll farther down. Um, so, oh, actually, I think it went out of business in 1990. Seven, I think. Uh-huh. I don't know this is on encyclopedia.com. So I think they went out of business in the late 90s. Uh, World of Wool. I cannot find an actual store that I assume they meant. Um, so there is one now, uh, which is an online retailer uh, that is based in the UK. Uh, so I don't think they have actual retail stores Uh, but if you care to you can go to worldofwool.co.uk for all of your wool needs apparently (laughs) all right. they also sell yarn and felt and fiber fill according to the front of their website here um rubber woman I cannot find anything I don't know what she meant by this um Like I, I have no clue what she meant. I cannot find anything named Rubber Woman.
1: No, well, I saw a lot of Rubber Woman like outfits. Mhm. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I could not find any Rubber Woman. No.
0: No. Um. I I don't know what she meant by that one. I have so. No idea. Yeah. Uh, Cheetah Rivera is an American actress, dancer, and singer best known for her roles in musical theater. Uh, she is the first Hispanic woman and the first Latin American to receive a Kennedy Center Honors Award in December of 2002. And in 2009 was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, so what was she in then? Because that would be... Uh, Oh my, a lot of stuff. Um, Pretty much all Broadway stuff, of course. Um, Let's see, Guys and Dolls, uh, West Side Story, Bye Bye Birdie, Flower Drum Song. Um, She was in Hello Dolly, uh, The Really Weird Kiss of the Spider Woman. Uh, She was in that. Um, Let's see, film-wise, she's been in... Well, the only one here that you would know... uh, She was in the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. She was in that. Wow. Uh, She also appears in an episode of The Outer Limits. uh, As well as an episode of Dora the Explorer in 2004. Uh, Let's see. The Cats and Jammer Kids... uh, is an American comic strip uh, created by Rudolf Dirks in 1897, uh, debuting in December of that year in The American Humorist, uh, which was the Sunday supplement to the New York Journal. Uh, Dirks was the first cartoonist to regularly express dialogue in, in comic strips through the use of speech balloons. Uh, the strip was turned into a stage play in 1903, which inspired several animated cartoons and was one of 20 strips included in the comic strip classic series of United States Commemorative Postage Stamps. Uh, after a series of legal battles between 1912 and 14, Dirks left the Hearst organization began a new strip, first titled Hans and Fritz, and then The Captain and the Kids, featuring the same characters, seen in The Cats and Jammer Kids, which was continued by Harold Ner, who had drew, drawn the strip before then for a little bit. Uh, the two separate versions of the strip competed with each other until 1979, when The Captain and the Kids ended its six-decade run, The Cats and Jammer Kids published its last strip on January 1st, 2006, making it the oldest comic... Oh, uh, but it was still distributed in reprints by King Features Syndicate, making it the oldest comic strip still in syndication and the longest running ever in the history of comic strips. Hmm. So that's the Cats and Jammer Kids. Huh. Uh, They bring up, let's see, the big ships of the Navy calendar. All of my Googling, it's just a calendar with pictures of boats. Yeah. I figured it was supposed to be kind of like one of those firefighter calendars. Ah. But apparently not. Uh, Maybe maybe the one Blanche would have, I would assume would be. But uh, as far as I could tell, it was uh, just boats. Yeah. Um, The Chevrolet Corvette they bring up, uh, which is a type of car. Yes. Uh, Raggedy Ann, uh, and Raggedy Andy. Uh, now Raggedy Andy uh, is just a—I mean, it's a doll. Uh, now Uh was originally a book character. Uh, created in oh no, so it was created in 1915 as a doll. Then introduced in a 1918 book entitled *The Raggedy Ann Stories*, uh, a sequel to that, *The Raggedy Andy Stories* in 1920 introduced Raggedy Andy, uh, and that is that. It's just an old doll. Uh, Alan Thick uh, is a Canadian actor, songwriter. Comedian, game, and talk show host, uh, who is best known for playing Dr. Jason Seaver on the '80s sitcom *Growing Pains*. Yes. Uh, let's see. Henry Kissinger uh, is a an American political scientist, diplomat, and geopolitical consultant who served as the U.S. Secretary of State and National Security Advisor under both Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. Uh, He received the 1973 Nobel Peace Prize uh, under controversial circumstances causing two members of the Nobel Committee to resign in protest of his victory uh, after his negotiation of a ceasefire in the Vietnam War. Uh, he later sought unsuccessfully to return the Nobel Prize after that ceasefire fell apart very quickly. Um, a practitioner of real realpolitik, no clue what that means, um, he played a prominent role in U.S. foreign policy between 1969 and 77. He pioneered the policy of detente with the Soviet Union, orchestrated the opening of relations with the People's Republic of China, engaged in what became known as shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East to end the Yom Kippur War, negotiated the Paris Peace Accords, which ended the American involvement in the Vietnam War. Has also been associated with such controversial policies as U.S. involvement in the 1973 Chilean military coup, a green light to Argentina's military junta for their dirty war, and U.S. support for Pakistan during the Bangladesh War despite the genocide being perpetrated by Pakistan at the time. Uh, After leaving government, he formed the Kissinger Associates, an international geopolitical consulting firm. He's been a prolific author of books on diplomatic history and international relations, with over one dozen books authored. Uh, He remains a controversial figure in American history, Numerous journalists, political activists, and human rights lawyers have condemned Kissinger as a war criminal. And according to a 2014 survey by Foreign Policy Magazine, 32% of America's, quote, top international relations scholars consider Kissinger to be the most effective U.S. Secretary of State since 1965. <laughs> huh. And so that. Is uh, Henry Kissinger, the quick version. Uh, Marcus Allen is a football player uh, who uh, ran a lot, I guess. Yes. Uh, Crockett and Tubbs, they're the characters from Miami Vice we discussed before. Yes. Uh, Henry Mancini, uh, an American composer, conductor, and arranger, best remembered for his film and television scores and is often cited as one of the greatest composers in the history of film. He won four Oscars, a Golden Globe, and 20 Grammys, uh, including a posthumous Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1995. His best-known works include the theme and soundtrack for the Peter Gunn television series, Those the music for the Pink Panther film series, and Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's. The music from Peter Gunn won the inaugural Grammy for Album of the Year. He is also noted for scoring a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 after the conclusion of the classical era uh, when his arrangement of the love theme from Romeo and Juliet hit number one at the end of June of 1969. Uh, the Pink Panther uh, is a British uh, media franchise primarily focusing on a series of films featuring an inept French police detective Inspector Jacques Clouseau. Uh, it began with the release of the first Pink Panther film in 1963. Uh, and then uh, there's many others. There's a uh, 12 movies, it appears, so far, in the series at this point. As well as uh, four different animated series uh, and four cr- television specials. Mm. Also, three video games, apparently, have been made uh, of the Pink Panther uh, and then, Mr. or Dr. Spock uh, is, of course, the... I assume they mean uh, the character from Star Trek, right? I would think so. That's, yes. what, I've, that's what I assumed. Uh, of course, Spock uh, appears in the original Star Trek series, the animated series, a two-part episode of Next Gen, eight of the feature films, and, of course, numerous novels, comics, and video games uh, throughout the uh, Star Trek over also appeared in the uh 3 uh reboot trilogy uh or the alternate timeline movies uh, the abrams ones uh and that is uh, that uh two side characters in this episode Michael uh is played by Scott Jacoby uh an actor and director Uh, most known for his work on projects such as the little girl who lives down the lane that certain summer Baxter and uh, directed a documentary entitled rage 20 years of punk rock West coast style, uh, which is his only directorial credit. Um, his appearance here on The Golden Girls uh is well he will make two more appearances later as Michael uh and these are some of his most recent acting credits um he won an Emmy for something um no he won a, a primetime Emmy uh for hit for an outstanding performance by an actor in a supporting role in a drama For his 1972 appearance in That Certain Summer. Uh, And Bridget is played by Marilyn Jones. uh, Most known for her work in projects such as Magnum P.I., Remington Steel, Quantum Leap, and V. uh, The 80s V. Uh, And that's... Uh she has no awards to uh bring up, so that's cool. Um she apparently was also a stunt actress for uh, one she was a stunt actress in one movie, uh a nineteen seventy-nine film entitled Meteor. Okay. Oh yeah.
1: Wow, I just um, watched that. Oh.
0: Ah. Uh this is her only appearance on the Golden Girls. Uh, Bridget might return. I don't remember, but this is her only appearance on the show. Uh, one new sex partner established. Uh, Bobby Joe Springer for Blanche. So our tally stands: Blanche twenty-two, Dorothy four, Rose four, Sophia one. Uh, we have a couple new continuity notes. Uh, Dorothy has a son michael who's a musician in New York, and Rose has a daughter bridget, who i don 't really know how but has somehow been accepted to oxford i don 't know how <laughs> um, well, but she so might be smart maybe i i don't know I do have a few a few notes, a few questions about this one um, so the first has to do with that uh how in the world did Bridget get accepted to Oxford and then How can Rose afford to pay for that as well? I mean, it was a scholarship. (laughs) I would get well, Oxford, so it's in the UK, so it'll be a lot cheaper. That does help uh, that it's not an American college. That'll help a lot in terms of uh, not being as expensive. But I'm gonna say she might get a scholarship, she may
1: be over there on a work study program or something. That could be because okay. I there's no way Rose could afford it. No. Um, <laughs> no way.
0: Um my next one is um I, I don't really know what the conflict of this episode was. I, I don't really know why this was a problem at all. I really didn't get it. Like the whole episode I was just going, Wha who cares? Like what's the issue here? Well, I, yes. I don't I don't get it. Um and especially with the um Bridget Rose conversation at the very end of the episode. They're talking about how like Rose is like, Well, I don't I didn't know you were a sexual being or whatnot, you know. It's like, okay, so basically this episode is a much less interesting, way shorter version of uh Blockers, this movie from last year that was great, and is essentially this episode, but much more interesting. <clears throat> um like I really I I did not get this as a as a conflict made no sense to me. Uh, nowadays it probably isn't
1: maybe, but I don't know back then I my only thing was that they did not know each other very long and that's would be a concern back then maybe.
0: Maybe I don't know.
1: I mean, and maybe it's just that you know, Rose didn't want her sleeping with Dorothy's son or, you know, one of her friends' sons she doesn't want, you know, I mean, I know I've lived a pretty sheltered life uh, for a long time, but I know that one, when they see those two in bed together and Rose states, I've never seen her in bed with a man. I'm thinking, how many parents see their kids in bed with other people? I mean, I don't think that's a common thing anyway.
0: <laughs> well, that, uh, yeah, oh, I, I, I guess. I mean, it's like, um, what, you expect yeah. to
1: see her in bed with, <laughs> I I don't know.
0: Um, I would hope not, but. But. I don't know what Rose is into, but I'd hope not. <laughs> I, it's like, what, yeah, I mean,
1: you want She's supposed to send out invitations when she does this, or what? I guess.
0: Help tickets. Here, get, get yourself in the press box. Most people don't want to be seen in
1: bed. I mean, gee. Especially by their parents. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, definitely not on that front, no. So, I don't know. I just thought
1: it was probably because they only knew each other a short time.
0: Okay. Well, that's all I had for this one. Um.
1: My one thing, yeah, I couldn't figure that out, and uh, the bedroom they use for Blanche's bedroom is really in the spot Dorothy's bedroom should be, so I know, the I'm not sure how they move this stuff around like that, but they do. Uh, yes, the kitchen observation, they had the same stuff in there as they have before, so. Uh, my counts, we actually had two Sicily Italian references in this one. Um, one of them was there was not enough food to feed Sophia's village and everything in Sicily is set up you know weddings mm-hmm. and especially death the girls were mad at each other yes Dorothy and and uh, Rose were mad at each other there was one sports uh, Sophia mentioned track uh, we don't know if that's the dog track or the horse track
0: but hmm. she's going to go
1: there and bat and and uh,
0: I would assume that's the dog track, which we've heard about before.
1: Yeah, we've heard about the dog track before, but she just says we're going to the track. And it's like $10 she gave, her, gave him to go to the movie mm-hmm. with, but let's take the $10 to the track. And they did play a game of cards, but we don't know what the game was because they didn't really say anything about the cards or finish the game, actually, or anything.
0: Well, if you do well, 10 bucks You can get back a lot.
1: Well, you could if you do well, If you well, do sure. well
0: on your bets.
1: So, and you double that to 20 And then uh. bet on it something <laughs> else. Uh, so my total counts. Weddings and planned weddings are four. Uh, three physical abuses of Rose. Four St. Olaf stories. Four cheese... There's going to be a lot of fours here. Four cheesecakes eaten. Four Sicily Italian stories. There's been 16... I. Sicily Italian references. The girls been mad at each other for five times now. 13 sports, 10 games, and three Stanley Zabornak appearances. I thought this game, uh, episode had some good laughs, but it was also lacking them and just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So 74 out of 100.
0: That'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps The Golden Girls. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.